overcoming the top five digital transformation challenges, a digital transformation mastermind group, as well as software selection case studies. Those are just a few things we're going to talk about here today in episode number 138 of Transformation Ground Control. This is Transformation Ground Control. Your source for all things business, technology, strategy, and change. If you're growing your business, leading change within your organization, or undertaking any sort of operational or technology change initiative, this podcast is for you. This show covers what you need to know about digital transformation, organizational change, operational improvement, and business growth. Five, four, three, two, one. And now, here's your host, Eric Kimberly. Hello, welcome to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. I'm the CEO of Third Stage Consulting. We're an independent consulting firm that helps clients throughout the world with their digital transformation journeys. And this is the podcast that has everything to do with digital transformation, including the people, process, technology, and strategy sides of change. And as I mentioned with me, as always, is Kyler Cheatham, my co-host here today. Kyler, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today, Eric. Yeah, thanks for being here. Excited to have you and excited to have the audience here today and excited for all the things we're going to talk about here today. We've got another epic episode for you with a lot of different stuff we're going to cover. We've got uh, some questions and answers that we're going to get to, questions from the audience, uh, from social media. We're going to get to that first in the opening segment. Also in the opening segment, we're going to get into a couple of different hot topics you've got for us, Kyler. We've got uh, zero trust and how zero trust is the foundation for digital transformation as well as how to overcome the top five digital transformation challenges. So we'll be excited to learn more with you on, on those two hot topics. And then later in the show, we've got a bunch of guests. I'm not even going to list them yet. I'll wait until we get to the segment, but there's going to be several guests on the show in a panel discussion. And it's sort of a, sort of a digital transformation mastermind where we're going to uh, cover or talk about all different topics related to digital transformation, ranging from the legal and procurement side of transformation to change management, to project management, to general tech trends. Um, you're going to lead us through a discussion with that panel, uh, Kyler, a discussion of sort of picking a side or picking a, an option within digital transformation decisions. So a lot of different stuff we're going to cover. And it's a lot of speakers, even though I'm not going to list all the speakers or all the panelists that will be joining us later, I will say that all of them are speakers at our upcoming digital stratosphere conference, which is October 4th through the 6th in Denver, Colorado. You can learn more about that event and that conference by going to stratosphere2023.com. You can also go to the third stage consulting website at the very top of that. You'll see a, a little banner you can click on to go learn more about the event, see the agenda. You can register there, learn more about all the workshops and keynotes that we're going to be hosting there at that Stratosphere event. But we've picked some of those speakers from that event to be with us in this digital transformation mastermind discussion we're going to have here later today. So be sure to stick around for that. It's going to be promises to be an entertaining and fun conversation. And then last but not least, we'll have uh, Adam Cheatham and you on the show. And, and just as a spoiler alert, Adam is also one of the ones that will be on the panel discussion. So you and Adam are going to have a, a conversation about some software selection case studies and sort of mock situations. And, and you're going you're gonna to grill Adam. On, on what software he would recommend in different situations for different types of organizations and clients. So that'll be a really interesting conversation to have, cli uh, to have Adam on the show, uh, not once, but twice. Um, and lucky you, because you happen to be married to the guy too, you get to see him uh, more than you could ever imagine in this episode. So uh, 
Great stuff. So great show planned for uh, everyone here today, but let's start with some of the audience questions you've got. What, what's in your, your question jar, your list of questions from social media, Kyler? Absolutely. Well, we had some really excellent questions this week um, on our social media. So you can either comment on third stage social media on any platform that you're utilizing or Eric's social media. And what our team does, we go and we aggregate these questions so that we can bring them to ground control and actually answer all of the relevant content topics that you're interested in hearing about. Uh, so this week we had uh, some great, great questions, and I'm going to start with one of them here uh, that's actually my favorite because my favorite is when I get a question that I don't know the answer to, and we can all kind of learn something from it. So this is from some of the Agile content on your YouTube channel, Eric, and it says, what's the difference between an Agile mentality or Scrum methodology? Are they the same or what should you be looking at when you actually are trying to pick an implementation approach? Ooh, man, that is a actually an extremely difficult question. Okay, um, Didn't mean to start that with that. You one. may actually have me stumped on, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. It's, uh, it, it is fun. And it's so funny because I, I hear Scrum so often that now that you're asking it, I'm like, how would I define Scrum? I know how to just define and describe Agile. But as far as Scrum, I know there's always the term like Scrum Master. I'm not an Agile Scrum Master, clearly. Or, or, otherwise, I'd be able to more clearly articulate what a Scrum Master is or what Scrum means. But I know Scrum is definitely very closely affiliated with, with Agile. And I believe it's, it's a way that you go about executing uh, on Agile. Now, I'm not an Agile practitioner or expert, like I said, so I, I'm not familiar with all the details. But I'm actually going to have to punt on any further uh, <laughs> further answer to that, not not because I don't want to answer it, because I don't have a lot of knowledge behind it. So I'd love to hear from the audience, um, especially for those of you, because I know a lot of people that listen to the show and a lot of people that I'm connected to on social media are very much into Agile. They're Scrum Masters. They're Agile certified. I'd love to hear you know, maybe the audience chime in on what some of their feedback or thoughts are on the difference between Scrum and Agile and how they're sort of interrelated. Yeah, absolutely. And tag me too in the comments too, and we can talk about doing maybe a guest blog around it because it's something, you know, obviously that we have some questions around and it sounds like a, a very cool, cool topic. So sorry to, you know, come out of the gate so hard on you there, Eric. That's all right. The audience is coming in hot on this episode with some really I tough know. questions. I, I, I think that's the first time I've had to sort of pass on a question and, and since we've been doing this uh, Q&A. Yeah. And I mean, just to, to kind of give the baseline of that question, it's more of how do you define that approach that's best for you? And I think that's a really insightful question from this user because you do need to look at each different approach and really take a consideration about what's going to match what's best for your business. So I love that question because obviously you're curious about that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It is a great relevant topic for sure. Good. Well, um, I have another question for you um, when it comes to moving from an on-premise solution to a mid-cloud or a mid-tier cloud solution. So this specific question is if you move from a legacy on-premise system to a mid-tier mid cloud-based solution, should the gold standard then be SAP S4 HANA or what does that look like as far as progression? Going from on-premise system to uh, a cloud system, is that the specific question? And whether SAP is the gold standard? Yeah, is SAP the gold standard? Or even should there be a system in between that, right? Should there be when you go from a legacy system, maybe you're not going straight to the gold standard, but should there be a consideration of what's kind of that in-between area? Yeah, well, I'd say if you're, if you're using an on-prem 
legacy SAP system, then S4 HANA could be a natural you know, sort of gold standard. Uh, but if you're using like a an old non-SAP on-prem system, especially if it's a smaller tier two or tier three system, and then you try to jump to S4 HANA on the SAP side, uh, for a, a lot of organizations, that's just too big of a jump and too much change and too much disruption and risk and most likely cost and time as well. So I think you you have to look at where you are and how mature your organization is and what the current landscape looks like and how big of a jump that is going to be and make sure that's aligned with who you are as an organization. If you're a, if you're an organization that's uh, sort of a low risk tolerance organization, you know, it may be too big of a jump. Um, if you're already on SAP or some other SAP product or products and um, you're accustomed to, you know, risk and you're, you're willing to take on that risk, um, then, you know, S4 HANA may very well be the gold standard. Generally speaking, though, I'd say that, you know, I would not, I would not categorize S4 HANA as a gold standard for cloud solutions yet, um, where I'd actually say the gold standards are going to be the, the, the native cloud solutions or the, the native ERP vendors or the native software vendors like uh, NetSuite and Workday, um, Salesforce, those systems that were built in the cloud 20 some years ago. Um, those to me are the gold standard because they've got the maturity and the functionality in the cloud already. Whereas a lot of the on-prem legacy on-prem software vendors are now making that shift to the cloud as we speak. And in the process of making that shift to the cloud, it's exposing a lot of vulnerabilities and, and deficiencies in that you sort of lack of maturity in the cloud. So generally speaking, I'd say if you, if you want the gold standard, you know, you'd really want to look at one of those legacy cloud solutions. And then over time, you know, five or 10 years from now, that'll not be true anymore. And SAP and Oracle and Microsoft and all those guys will in fact be the gold standard potentially, or it could be some software vendor we don't even know about yet, or that we're, we're not talking a lot about yet. Good. Yeah. Very interesting. Very insightful. Um, and I'm, and to turn it on the audience, what's your gold standard for cloud-based ERP or what um, Eric's talking about here? What What's your gold standard? Leave it in the comments, tag the system so we can kind of get an, an agnostic and, and technology independent poll would be really interesting. And then also on that lens, you just um, released your top systems of 2024 and your article and videos talk a lot about that. So you can actually uh, look at that by uh, clicking on the link below wherever you're getting uh, this um, content. So definitely check that out and make sure that you're kind of looking through what is best for you is what we kind of always say here at Third Stage. Um, so last question to kind of round this out, which this is a really good one too. Um, obviously, I'm just pumped about these questions today. So what um, what actually can you use for a merger and acquisition when it comes to interoperability, do you have to replace all the legacy systems with one core ERP or can something like Snowflake or Palantir make it so that you don't have to replace those mergers and acquisition systems? Really good question. It's a great question. And um, I think it's a, it's a brilliant question actually, because um, it's your, the question itself is exposing the factor drawing attention to the fact that you actually do have options. You don't have to go down the path of a single ERP replacement, which is generally going to be the high risk, potentially high reward, but also high cost and high time option. So for organizations that are looking for more speed to value, especially if there's been uh, private equity involvement in the merger or acquisition, which there typically is, um, a lot of times there's not a tolerance for now, not only taking on that huge capital investment that was just made to acquire a company or to merge with a company, now you start talking about another huge capital investment and a risky capital investment for that matter. 
um, in, a, in a big ERP implementation. If you back up for a second to look at the success rates or the failure rates of both mergers and acquisitions and digital transformations, they both, you know, both data points to around an 80% failure rate for both for uh, merger and acquisition integration and uh, digital transformation. They both have about an 80% failure rate. So you put two 80%, you know, two big initiatives with an 80% failure rate together, that's generally not a good idea or one that most investors are going to be super comfortable with. So that's why you start thinking about, well, if most ERP implementations fail, 80% of them fail, we already know that 80% uh, of mergers and acquisitions uh, fail as well. Let's maybe temper the risk on the on the technology side and do something that could be lower cost, lower risk, but potentially higher value, especially in the short term, especially if it's a situation where the investors are looking at a three to five year horizon to flip the company or to sell it again. They're, they're probably not going to want to uh, fight off a big ERP implementation. So that's where you have options like Palantir and Snowflake, even best of breed options. There's a lot of different uh, paths you can go down. Yes, it may be true that you're not fixing the real problem or the real root cause of the problem, which is you've got siloed data, you've got siloed systems and that sort of thing. But it does, for lack of a better purpose, uh, put a Band-Aid or a tourniquet on the, on the situation or the problem, which could be at least a short-term fix. Um, it may not be the right answer longer term, but it could be good enough you know, to get you to whatever your goals and objectives are. So I think you really have to look at what are the sort of the goals and objectives of the merger and acquisition. How do you plan on integrating? Um, what's your risk tolerance? How long of a duration or how long of a time horizon are you looking at? Is this a short-term focus that a private equity firm might be placing on you? Or are they playing the long game and really looking for you know driving efficiencies and standardization longer term? In which case, yes, maybe an ERP implementation makes more sense in that latter situation. So you really have to look at what your strategy is the goals and objectives of the company, and then figure out which path uh, aligns with that the best. Absolutely. Well, our audience really leveled up on questions this week. Uh, so well done. If you do have questions for Eric or um, the Third Stage team, go ahead and put them in the comments wherever you're joining today. That Those are some really great conversation starters. Um, and we always enjoy hearing from the audience, um, especially kind of weaving them into our hot topics, which I know we're going to get to here in a few minutes. Absolutely. Great questions and a way to, way to really uh, stump me early on, uh, audience. So keep the questions coming on social media and be sure to tag Tyler and I there uh, on whatever platform you're asking the questions. So uh, thank you for that. And now we're going to get into some hot topics here in just a moment. We're going to talk about um, overcoming the top five digital transformation challenges uh, that are most prevalent in the industry, as well as zero trust being a foundation for successful digital transformations. We're going to get to those two hot topics here in just a moment. And then later in the show, we're going to have a panel discussion uh, and a digital transformation mastermind group where we're going to talk about all things related to digital transformation. We'll get a really diverse set of responses and inputs on a number of digital transformation topics. And then finally, last in the show, we'll have Adam Cheatham with Kyler talking about uh, some software selection case studies and some mock situational uh, consulting that Adam's going to do on the fly with you, Kyler, to talk about what he would recommend for different technologies in different types of situations and different types of clients. So stick around for that. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Transformation Ground Control. We'll be right back. Could you whisper in my ear the things you want to feel? Interested in working for a company that truly values your unique skills and experience? Here at Third Stage, we don't hire based on resumes alone. We look at the full candidate experience and willingness to provide excellent service for our clients. 
Within a technology independent and agnostic consulting firm, you have the opportunity to learn across industries with a diverse group of clients. Our consultants also have the opportunity to diversify their portfolio and learn across technology systems. If you're interested in joining a high growth entrepreneurial organization, please reach out to us at work at thirdstage-consulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms throughout the world. You can also go to transformationgroundcontrol.com to see the aggregated listing of all the different past episodes on all the different platforms. So go to transformationgroundcontrol.com as well if you'd like to see past episodes that you may have missed and be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen or watch. So we've got a couple uh, hot topics, or you've got a couple hot topics in store for us today, Kyler. What's what's on your mind here with these two topics? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to start with a really interesting one um, that talks about how zero trust is actually more than just security. It's really the foundation for all digital transformations. So a subject we've covered a little bit on ground control and our other content avenues, but I want, really want to kind of dig in and ask you about this. So I think it's important to kind of define zero trust because it really has become an industry buzzword. Uh, really what zero trust is, is it's most IT leaders have zero trust in security strategy or planning when it comes to data security. So that means that they really kind of close the loop and lock it down when it comes to what is data security, what does that look like? Uh, and what this study actually finds is to unlock the full potential of a zero trust strategy, you need to have a system that is able to kind of align with those objectives as an organization. So. It really needs to not be anchored in any one place. It's about enabling IT functions across the organization. So we have kind of two different lenses of talking about zero trust. A system that's sophisticated enough to give you that security, but also IT behavior and competencies internally that are going to give you that security. So my question to you for, for this article, Eric, is very general. Do you think that zero trust strategies, one, work, and two, should be a main consideration in your digital transformation strategy? Well, I, I think they can work and we do see them work. And I think it's it's probably better to err on the side of, of being conservative, which it sounds like, you know, the zero trust mentality is um, simply because cybersecurity has become such a uh, problem in, in the IT world. Um, and it's not all just technical, like outside hackers who are trying to hack into into systems, which is a big problem in and of itself. But you also have behavior, you know, just general human behavior that leads to cybersecurity risk that's not as intentional. And sometimes that's the part that a lot of organizations overlook. And so when you talk about changing internal behaviors and internal IT behaviors, I think that's what that's alluding to. Um, and I think you have to look at that too and just look at, you know, educating your your audience or or, or your uh, employee base so that the, they're aware of what some of these cybersecurity risks and challenges are uh, for example you know phishing scams how do you how do you educate people to make sure they don't fall for the phishing scams which we get you know we get uh, phishing attempts all the time people trying to mimic me or act as me 
sending an email or a text asking you, Kyler, to you know wire a bunch of money to some account or buy a bunch of uh, e-gift cards or whatever. We get that all the time. And so you, you just sort of have to educate your, your team on stuff like that. There's also, you know, from a system perspective too, there's also just how you set up security profiles and um, how you make sure that you you don't unintentionally create loopholes or, or potential risk from a cybersecurity perspective. So there's so many different dimensions of cybersecurity that I think um, there's so many problems in these, in these areas and it's become such a vulnerability for a lot of organizations. I think the zero trust approach um, is certainly better than what we were doing five years ago. So I, I think it, it, time will tell if it works, but I think it's a, it's the right idea. And I think we're on the right track by focusing on that. Yes, definitely. And just to give you kind of a, a data point on this research, um, Gartner actually did a cybersecurity risk assessment for many of, of its clients. And it says by 2026, 10% of large enterprises will have what a consultancy would describe as a mature or measurable zero trust program in place, which is up from 1% today. So we're in the 1% right now when it comes to uh, to the 0%. So lots of room for growth, but it sounds like it should really actually be a very measurable piece of your digital transformation strategy and understanding when you're looking at any new technology for your organization. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of have to include that now as part of your, you know, one of the threads or work streams that you focus on during, during a transformation. And I will say I've learned so much from our YouTube channel on cybersecurity from mostly our stratosphere um, attendees or speakers, um, a different people you've had on your podcast. So if you do have questions about that, go on YouTube and you can search cybersecurity and you learn so much from those, uh, those experts. So highly recommend that. Um, so speaking of of that, of challenges, we're, we're looking at here the five challenges of digital transformation and how you can overcome them. Um, and there's a few here on our list that we talk about in generalizations, but there's you know a few I kind of want to dive into with you. Uh, so number one is no shared vision. We kind of talk about that lack of alignment and the importance of securing that. Um, the Another one is no... Um, no habits of experimentation. And this basically gives the idea that an organization should have that overall cultural nuance of trying new things and experimenting new things. So the reason I wanted to kind of line this up after the cybersecurity article was to terrify everyone. No, but also <laughs> to um, see kind of how do you balance the need for these zero trust type of cybersecurity initiatives that actually keep the organization safe, but also open up for experimentation and innovation in the organization. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a tough trade off because on one hand, you do want that, that innovation and experimentation and, and more than anything, a willingness to change. I think that's really sort of the root cause or the root um, opportunity that that we're trying to get at when we talk about innovation and experimentation. However, um, sometimes when you combine innovation, experimentation, and then you throw in agile implementation methodologies, it, it gets really messy. And I don't mean messy like it, it needs to be messy and change is messy. I, I get it. You know, digital transformations are going to be messy no matter what. But when you start getting too experimental, too innovative, uh, too focused on agile, too nimble or, or sort of loose with business processes and the way you're going to set up technology or use technology, 
it just turns into pure chaos and and you you can lack direction you can lack discipline you you start to lose the guardrails and the parameters for the project so i think experimentation and innovation is good within in moderation just like a lot of things um but uh if you take it too far it just turns into pure chaos and so here's where you really have to look at you know look at your organization understand uh the culture of the organization and and you know how how innovative you need to be and where you need to be innovative. There's certain parts of your business where you probably shouldn't be innovative. There, there's no reason for you to be innovative in how you, you know, do your regulatory reporting, for example. Don't be innovative, just be compliant with what you need to do. Um, but when it comes to like customer experience or how you take orders, how you sell products, how you, um, you know, deliver and, and exceed expectations to your customers, yeah, be innovative there. Look for ways that you could improve processes and use technologies and that sort of thing. But I think you just have to be real targeted and you have to know and recognize when you've gone too far with experimentation where it sort of turns into analysis paralysis and, and pure chaos. So yes, within reason, uh, of course, it's a, it's uh, beneficial, but I think uh, it's easy to, to go too far with it and a lot of organizations do. Definitely a, a really um, delicate balance there. And it's interesting that you say discipline, because sometimes when I go in and I research articles for these episodes, I think, oh, did Eric write this? And then I have to check the author, because sometimes you do, <laughs> um, right. as a well-known thought leader in, in the industry. But this is so interesting, and this is kind of the capstone of my question of the top five reasons um, why or challenges to overcome for digital transformation. And the number one reason this author says is lack of discipline. And they talk about the lack of discipline can touch organizational change, it can touch project management, it can touch software selection. But if you do not have the discipline to undergo such a change as an organization on all tiers and levels, you will not succeed. And I just have to get your reaction to that. I totally agree with that. I think uh, discipline is what's missing from most, if not all, failed digital transformations and ERP implementations. Um, so I totally agree. And, and if you think about it, um, you have too many outside forces and outside third parties that tend to encourage you as an organization to be undisciplined. Um, you have software vendors who want you just to make a decision to go buy a bunch of software, even if you haven't clearly defined your requirements. You have a software vendor that that's trying to push you to just take an agile approach to implementation so you can just start implementing stuff regardless of whether or not you're ready, regardless of whether or not you have a blueprint in place or clearly defined business processes or clear understanding of what you're trying to get out of the project. You, you have software vendors and, and implementers that'll push you in that direction because it benefits them. It benefits them because they're going to sell software faster and they're going to sell their services faster too. Um, so you, you have to really, you know, avoid that temptation to say, well, everyone's telling me I should just, you know, move forward with this undisciplined approach and, and take the time to build that internal discipline. It's really something that you have to build in terms of your PMO, your project governance, your program governance, all that stuff. And that's usually where we help clients is helping them build that internal competency and that discipline so that they can manage the system integrators and the software vendors themselves rather than the other way around, rather than, than being managed by them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this specific piece goes into that layer too, to say, 
it's not just about discipline, but it's about prioritization and that professional skepticism, as we call it here at Third Stage, is you could come up with a new fad, a new trend, a new quote unquote opportunity from any vendor. But if it's not relevant to your business and it's not a priority for you, then the worst thing that you could actually do is waste time and resources on on funneling these priorities that aren't within your strategic focus. Um, so. Uh, definitely something that's really kind of a core thesis of what we preach here at Third Stage. Absolutely, yeah, super, super important stuff, and uh, and I think that it's it's interesting to hear this uh, sort of you talk about a couple things: the shared vision, the experimentation, and then lack of discipline. It's sort of a lot of these things are can be in conflict. You know, they're things that you need to do and you need to introduce to your project, but they can also be in conflict with one another. And any one of them could potentially take you too far down a path, um, you know, off, off the track. So I think these are, these are really interesting points. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your insight. Um, and of course we have such an insightful panel, so definitely stay tuned because they'll touch on these topics as well. Yes. Yeah. We have, we've got a great panel for you and I'm going to wait until after the break to introduce all of them, um, because there are several uh, panelists that are going to be joining us here and it's going to be really cool because I don't think we've ever had a panel this large. We've had smaller panels on this show on this podcast, but never one like this. So this will be super interesting. It's a, uh, it's a hand selected uh, group of thought leaders that will be presenting at our digital stratosphere conference coming up next month in Denver, Colorado. It's October 4th through the 6th. You can learn more about the event and the conference by going to stratosphere2023.com. And we at third stage consulting are, are hosting that and sponsoring it. And you and I, Kyler, will be speakers as well as the panel discussion, or at least some of the um, some of the speakers will be on this panel that we're going to have here in just a moment. So we'll bring on the guests here in just a moment. We're going to do sort of a, a digital transformation mastermind group here to cover all things digital transformation with this uh, super smart group of people that we're going to have on the show. And then later in the show, uh, speaking of super smart, we will have Adam Cheatham, who is part of this panel discussion, but he'll be on again for the third segment. Uh, to talk about software selection case studies, and we'll give him some mock scenarios that he's going to give us some advice and, and recommendations based on that. So stick around. We'll be right back with the Digital Transformation Mastermind Group. But first, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. We'll be right back. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out. Hi, this is Eric Kimberling with Third Stage Consulting and your host of Transformation Ground Control. I want to encourage you to read our Guide to Organizational Change Management. It's a free report or free guide that we published. It's one that I actually wrote that talks about best practices and lessons learned as it relates to change management. So as you know, on this podcast, we cover a lot of stuff related to the human sides of change, organizational change management, including training, communications, org design, all kinds of stuff as it relates to change management. So if you're trying to learn more about change management or you're looking for more direction and ideas on how to get started on your change management strategy and your overall journey, be sure to check out this guide. You can read it by scanning the QR code on the screen in front of you or in the links below for this particular podcast episode. You can find a link to uh, take you to the page that will allow you to register to go ahead and download that and read it for free. So be sure to check it out. It's the Guide to Organizational Change Management uh, written by yours truly. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think and hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling, here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday 
on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms. You can also go to Transformation Ground Control if you'd like to just find the aggregated um, aggregated platforms all right there to watch or listen to the show. I'm excited for our next uh, segment here. We're going to have a number of uh, people, panelists, and thought leaders here to join us. We're going to have Marcus Harris from Taft Law. We'll have Adam Cheatham from Third Stage Consulting, Greg Benton from Third Stage Consulting, uh, Mehdi from Technology Evaluation Centers. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I always butcher it. So we'll, we'll leave it at Mehdi. I'll let him I'll let him say the name properly here in a moment. We'll have Megan Seaton from Avero Advisors. And then, of course, you and I will be on this panel discussion as well. But we thought it'd be really cool to bring together some of the speakers that are going to be at our Digital Stratosphere Conference in October. It's October 4th through the 6th in Denver, Colorado. Uh, you can learn more about it by going to stratosphere2023.com. It's a technology agnostic digital transformation conference. You and I will be there, uh, Kyler, as well as the, the panelists will all be there, as well as people that are not on the panel that will be speaking there as well. So again, learn about the conference, see the agenda, learn about all the peer networking and keynote opportunities and live entertainment uh, by going to stratosphere2023.com. And we're going to pop up the QR code to uh, scan here in just a moment too, as well. Um, if you, if you missed that, but you can also go to stratosphere2023.com. So all that being said, let's introduce uh, the panel's discussion. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for the, uh, the introduction, Eric. Um, look, I'm excited to, to be a speaker at the uh, digital stratosphere this year and to speak with such a, a, a good group of people here. I think we've got a lot of value to add. I personally have got over 20 years of experience in the technology industry uh, prior to joining uh, private practice here at, at Taft. Uh, I worked in-house in the legal departments of SAP and Infor, and um, I've got a, a vast array of varying types of technology-related experience from drafting digital transformation type agreements, consulting agreements, um, software development agreements, and then litigating failed projects when they go sideways. So I can give you kind of the, the front end and the back end of, of, you know, how these things play out in real life when you fail to uh, dot all the, the, the I's and cross all the T's. Yeah, yeah. And you'll be talking about that at Stratosphere too, some of the legal considerations and contractual considerations as it relates to um, transformations and software procurement. And in fact, I'm going to ask you a question about that here in just a moment uh, as we get into the conversation. So excited to have you. Uh, Taft has been a longtime sponsor of Digital Stratosphere. In fact, you guys have sponsored every stratosphere we've hosted beginning with the very first one that we did back in uh, 2018. So thank you for being a part of it again. Yes, absolutely. We find a lot of value in this and, and uh, we think it's a great, a great uh, organization and a great conference. So. Great. Yep. Well, thanks for being here. And then we've got Mehdi from Technology Evaluation Centers. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about TEC, Mehdi. Thank you very much for having me and uh, putting this uh, very uh, selected uh, ex excellent experience of uh, people together for this event and for this stratosphere. Uh, my background is uh, I'm an engineer, originally from software development and eventually moved into the advisory and consulting uh, with our company, which uh, we basically advise on companies that are trying to uh, go through the digital transformation and uh, buying or implementing ERPs or other enterprise applications. So we are impartial uh, companies such as yourselves, and uh, we, we basically try to make the best uh, selection for our clients based on our experience and what's in the market 
and we have a data-driven approach uh, where we have all the information about the different applications in the market and the vast uh, uh, selection of functions and features and uh, processes that are related to the enterprise applications, which is part of our technology platform. Uh, again, very uh, thankful for this uh, you know, event, uh, and we are looking forward to see you all uh, at the stratosphere. Absolutely. Look forward to, to having you guys there. And, you know, we even though we we at times compete with one another, uh, many our two firms are actually partners as well. And we we license your software and use your software in our uh, engagement. So uh, we have a, a close a close relationship with TEC. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, this is uh, this is very true that our platform is uh, we, we are trying to promote the, the good knowledge and uh, the, the, the facts in the market and uh, you're right uh, we 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 supposed to be competitors but we are cooperating very well in this market together yeah I want so bad not to like you and just think of you as a competitor but it's, it's really hard to do when you're such a nice guy and as smart as you are so oh thank you very much we, we decided to be uh, friends instead <laughs> yeah exactly that's better <laughs> right exactly all right and then we've got uh, Adam from third stage consulting Adam tell us about yourself uh, good morning. So um, I just was sitting, thinking this morning, this is our sixth year doing this. If you if you count the, the remote digital transformation stratospheres, and it's, it's really an exciting uh, time to be getting back to the in-person side of things. You know, yeah. These events are so much fun, and you learn so much more when you're in person. Um, you make better connections. Uh, you, generally have a sense of absorbing things better you tend to not just turn your camera off and tune out while it's on in the background There's, it's just all around so much more fun and fulfilling and so i'm looking forward to getting back to that um Me too. for stratosphere in denver um i think it's fun that we're getting back to denver for this as well so really looking forward to this and uh and, and meeting a whole bunch of new people yeah very cool yeah likewise and you, and you are uh, managing your director at Third Stage Consulting. Yes, I sure am. So, managing director at Third Stage Consulting Group, I'm uh, responsible for the uh, the delivery mechanism of our team. So, our, our team is set up where our directors are. Um, they all build teams to solve our clients' challenges, and those teams all fall under their pur uh, purview, which means that I need to make sure that they have what they need to be able to deliver. And if they don't, um, then I got to go find it and give them all the tools and mechanisms required to uh, deliver the level of success and, and quality that we pride ourselves on at Third Stage. Yeah, very cool. Good to have you here. Thanks for thanks for being here. You've been on this podcast many times as well, um, as has Greg Benton, who's also from Third Stage Consulting. So Greg, tell us about yourself. Greg Benton, Chief Strategy Officer with Third Stage. Um, very excited to be heading into a uh, stratosphere um, in person this year in Denver. And, uh, you know, we just held a stratosphere in London a couple of months ago, and that was a great interactive opportunity. I come from about uh, 25 plus years of really implementation, remediation, and developing strategies for our, our clients. Um, the, uh, the really marvelous thing about this is everybody's a little bit different, right? And all of the industries that uh, are looking at digital transformation are following 
disparate roadmaps, but they all have a common goal. They are all trying to get to that third stage of implementation success with the digital transformation. And um, really just enjoy talking about that, interacting with people who are bringing their fresh ideas to what we can offer as a, as a firm, and also interacting with people like Mehdi and Marcus and um, the Avero folks in terms of you know getting everything out there, having it discussed completely, and then turning around and finding solutions that actually and tactically move your organization forward. So a little bit of a shameless plug for Stratosphere at the end there. Hey, that's, uh, we have no problem with that since we're all we're all part of Stratosphere. <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, we, we're we happy to do that. And I'm gonna pop up the QR code again, since you mentioned it, I'll, I'll leave that up just for a second. If you wanna scan that, you can see the agenda and see what we're all speaking about, as well as what other speakers that aren't here today on this session, what they're speaking about as well. Um, so Megan from Avero Advisors, tell us a little bit about, about yourself and your yeah. company. Hello, everyone. Super excited to be here today. And thank you, Eric, uh, for inviting us to Stratosphere this year. This is our first year uh, engaging with Stratosphere and speaking. Unfortunately, you guys will not be hearing from me at the conference. Um, my fearless leader, Mr. Abhijit Varakar, AV for short, uh, he will be speaking. And I do believe Mr. Robert Karnovich will be speaking as well. They could not be here today. Uh, they had prior obligations, but we are super excited for the opportunity to engage um, with you all. Um, real quick, Avero Advisors is a reputable third-party consulting firm. Uh, we, specialize in, we specialize in providing ERP consulting services tailored to the specific needs of local cities, counties, and quasi-government agencies across the United States. We have a strong focus in delivering expert guidance and support throughout the entire ERP lifecycle. We are dedicated to helping public sector organizations streamline their uh, operations and enhance their overall efficiency. So happy to be here this morning. Thank you all. Uh, thank you for being here. And and um, one thing you didn't mention is that your fearless leader, uh, AV, um, is going to be speaking, as you mentioned, at the at the conference. But he and I are doing a debate style uh, format, uh, which I'm really excited for. I've never done it, but I think it's going to be super cool because we're going to pick different um, positions. Mm -hmm. And you and Kyler are going to help moderate this, but um, you, as the neutral and partial um, moderators, and you're going to ask us questions like, for example, um, which is better, agile or waterfall? And I'm going to pick a side, he's going to pick a side, and we're going to debate each other on it. Um, but I think the real reason, um, having said that, I think the real reason he's not here today is he's kind of afraid. I feel like he's <laughs> maybe afraid of what <laughs> might happen at that. And he's sort of you know, he's sort of getting getting ready for the debate, I imagine, because he's yeah. afraid of having to debate me. But. Maybe, maybe. He's really good at it. That's why I'm preempting his trash talk, because if he if he was here, he would definitely be trash talking. So yeah. I think you need two podiums, though. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Or some boxing gloves, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and security go. guards. We have to have security up there to like referee. Bouncers. Exactly. It'll be fun. So we're looking forward to having you guys involved uh, with, with the event as well. So thanks for being here, Megan. And yes. then last but not least, Kyler, our co-host on Transformation Ground Control and also uh, a third stage consulting team member. Tell us about yourself, Kyler. 
Yeah, well, um, thanks everyone for joining us today. This is our uh, usual Tuesday live stream, um, and we're excited to have all of these kind of different opinions when it comes to digital transformation. And as we look at Stratosphere, that's the beauty of the event is just the diversity and the variety and kind of the unbiased environment. So um, here at Third Stage, I have the privilege of running the marketing side and our communication side. Uh, so I get the cool job of interacting with all of our great audience members and learning from our wonderful team here. So I'm, I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, I can't believe we have all these people on one screen. I mean, what, that's pretty amazing to have that, uh, that insight. So definitely it's gonna be a rewatcher. So save this one and wherever you are joining from today. And I highly encourage you to ask questions in the comments um, because this is just such a unique opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. We're here with the Digital Transformation Mastermind Group talking about some best practices in digital transformation. These are all speakers that are going to be at the Digital Stratosphere Conference in Denver, Colorado on October 4th through the 6th. You can learn more about that conference by going to stratosphere2023.com. Kyler and I will be there as well as all the speakers we're talking to here now here today. But we've got a lot more to cover with these speakers and keynote uh, discussion thought leaders. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Transformation Ground Control. If you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham, and we are here having a panel discussion with several of the speakers that are going to be presenting at the Digital Stratosphere Conference in Denver, October 4th through the 6th, sponsored by Third Stage Consulting, along with Avero Advisors, Technology Evaluation Centers, and Taft Law. So uh, you can learn more about that conference at stratosphere2023.com. You can see the agenda, uh, learn more about what to expect there and hope you can join us. So again, stratosphere2023.com. But in the meantime, let's jump back into the conversation with several of the speakers as part of our digital transformation mastermind group. To give you a sense of today's format, uh, we're gonna ask, I'm gonna ask some real basic questions to start us off of each of the speakers uh, based on some of the topics they're gonna be covering at Digital Stratosphere. But I encourage you, the audience, to ask whatever questions you have for this group. This is a pretty unique group in that I think this covers a pretty good spectrum of knowledge uh, certainly a lot of depth and background knowledge in transformations, a lot of years of experience here. So any questions you have about transformation, we'd love to hear your questions, especially with this group. It's pretty unique to get this kind of a group together. So I appreciate everyone being here. Um, and then later in the show, stick around for a few minutes, because after I get through those initial questions and some of the audience questions, we're also going to have Kyler run us through a uh, sort of a, more of a lightning round, uh, either or sort of a, a discussion. So she's going to facilitate some questions around that here in a few minutes. But to get started, though, let's start with... Um, Let's start with some general tech trends, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this question to you, Greg, uh, right in the middle of the screen. Um, for those of you that 
don't remember who Greg is. He's the one right in the middle. Um, <laughs> so the one waving. So what are some of the biggest trends that you're seeing in the tech space? And then, of course, we'll want to hear what the others have to say as well. But we'll start with you, Greg. Well, it's not easy, Eric. I mean, we've got a, uh, a number of trends that are really coming to the fore. But um, I think in a word, the uh, or in two words, actually composable ERP. So the, uh, the fact is, over the last decade, ERP systems as a replacement for the older systems that were running you know, finance, supply chain, uh, human resources, human capital, um, were looked at as kind of a single-threaded solution. You go to a single ERP vendor, you find uh, somebody who's going to be a good partner going forward, and you select that set of applications. You, uh, you implement it over a period of 12 to uh, 24 months, and then you have the, uh, the resulting ERP system, and your digital enterprise operations at the end. Um, that has changed a little bit. A lot of people are able to leverage AI and some of the interoperability platforms like Palantir, Snowflake, uh, Databricks, and be able to bring everything into a centralized shared services model where you can gather information from disparate sources. You can also sequence in a lot of the ERP systems that are actually replacements for those older um, finance and supply chain systems. And so that interoperability and capability of bringing disparate sources together allows you to sequence in properly the ERP system of choice. So as you go through your strategy in the next five years of your planning and your roadmap, um, being able to get to a, a time to value in months rather than years of implementation is really what a lot of the organizations we're working with are, are looking for. And we're going to be talking about that at Stratosphere with a number of experts that are really going to have kiosk presentations developed around AI, around interoperability platforms, and, and so forth. So, Yeah, yeah it seems like uh, organizations are becoming less tolerant of the super high risk, high cost implementations that may or may not deliver business value. And so they're looking for other alternatives in the market in many cases. Right. And, uh, and I think that's where a lot of these interoperable or interoperability and BI based um, systems and alternatives to, to ERP are, are coming in. Um, what, what do the rest of you think? I don't know, Mehdi or, or uh, Adam in particular, if you guys have specific thoughts around uh, trends in terms of technology or things that you see changing in the, in the marketplace as, as far as enterprise tech is concerned? Yeah, I guess um, what, what you just said is very true, Greg, uh, that, uh, you know, when uh, in the past, uh, companies usually went for a single solution. Now they are more open to mix and match. And uh, that really brings up the, uh, the you know, the, uh, the necessity for having a good architecture design for the entire platform and knowing what you want to get out of the systems or that are working together going forward and which each of them or the, the scope of each of them is uh, is defined and how you're going to go about implementing each one of them to work together seamlessly. Right. Yeah, great I point. I agree with that too. And, and the, those words composable ERP are gaining a lot of momentum. And yeah. I think that yeah. um, <clears throat> it's, it's kind of one of those things that's uh, from a trending perspective, starting to replace the best of breed. It's almost like people are 
tired of saying best of breed. So they're trying to find different ways of saying it. Uh, just like we've had clients that are sick and tired of the words change management. Just call it something else. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anything yeah. else. Um, change it. Change the change right. management. Exactly. Right. So um, I think that the composable ERP trend is something that is, is gaining a lot of steam. And I think that part of it has to do just as much with how you get to where um, you're at the point where you replace an entire ERP system. Right. right. We've all worked with clients who are, who know that this is a big deal, pulling the whole thing out all at once and replacing it is hard. It's fraught with risk and it's, um, and it takes a long time and it's expensive. These are all things that nobody in business wants to do. You know? So, um, you know, if, if you made a list of all of the things that executives generally want to avoid, it's expensive, takes a long time, difficult, risky, like it's ERP if you're going to replace the whole thing. So for me, it makes a ton of sense to have people who are saying, okay, how can I build this one step at a time? Right. Yeah. Problem areas. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then if I build it one piece at a time, I can start leveraging value faster as well. That's another piece of what I think this composable ERP trend is, is really highlighting is that speed to value. Um, I can replace my one supply chain system, get all my MRP going better and really streamline my biggest pain points by just replacing that segment of the system and integrating it with the rest. You start to create problems when you duct tape things together like that. Um, so at some point, I do think that a lot of this composable ERP, if we're not talking about some type of an interoperability platform that pulls it together, um, you start to end up um, creating a self-fulfilling prophecy when you're starting to talk about replacing the whole ERP. But I think it's, uh, it's definitely an important trend to be thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. And just to turn to the audience here, uh, just some comments and questions here. Um, Julio on LinkedIn says, hi, everyone. Thanks for putting some so much experience together joining from Italy. So thank you for, for being here today. Um, there's another good question. Um, but first, I'll get to this comment from Will on LinkedIn. who says, I'm looking forward to Stratosphere and I'm looking forward to seeing you there, Will, and meeting you there along with everyone else that's attending. So thank you for your, your kind words there. Um, another question that's worth noting. Uh, this is from Joey on YouTube. Joey says, is third stage hosting this? Um, if by this you mean uh, Digital Stratosphere, yes. Uh, did, uh, third stage is one of one of four sponsors of the Digital Stratosphere event. So uh, we will be there as well as the other people uh, and companies on the screen here in front of you here today. Um, so quick question along those lines of, um, as we're talking about tech trends, if we sort of shift gears and, and talk about something that's related, but, but a little bit different angle or lens is, as we're navigating all these different options that, that Greg and Adam in particular uh, just unpacked, um, Mehdi, in terms of how you how you select enterprise software, what are some of the most important factors that you're seeing with your clients, Mehdi, as far as um, selecting the, the best enterprise software? Yeah, so it's a very, uh, you know, it's, it's a uh, very broad question, but I try to get to some of the, uh, the, the problems or areas that you shouldn't do uh, and also uh, getting a little bit into what should you do. Uh, the first thing that most companies do that uh, it's a little bit, um, you know, causing trouble down the road is that the, the first think about vendors and the applications and platforms right away at the start of the project. So whether we go with SAP or Microsoft or any other applications, 
they focus on the technology, they focus on the vendors and the proper uh, the, the, the platform they are offering, as opposed to focusing on their requirements and needs, gaps and, uh, you know, the bottlenecks within the organization and why they're going through that digital transformation in the first place. And the, what we find is that uh, if you start your your project by looking at or negotiating or start negotiating with the vendors, you're right away going into a direction where they take you to a place where uh, they're going to push uh, their product uh, on your on your company and not necessarily looking at uh, what really the problems are with your current system or your current processes. And um, the best way to go about doing this is that forget about the vendors at the beginning of the process. Focus on the business processes and. To a certain point, I would say, uh, you know, get the IT out of the picture as well. Get the business people uh, define the scope of the project and the requirements and the, the needs. And of course, with the help of IT and the help of consultants such as yourselves, ourselves, or uh, other companies that work in this area, come up with the uh, specific requirements that the systems should have and get that approved by your business people within your organization. That way, you get to uh, get them involved in the decision process. So your, uh, if uh, Adam wants to use that term again, your change management uh, process is becoming easier because they are going to be part of the decision-making process of uh, changing the, the, uh, the uh, digital platform that they're going to be using. And because of that, you're going to have less trouble going forward. And you also make sure that once you involve the vendors, you know what you want from the system. So you are a more educated and more uh, knowledgeable client to the to the vendors and they will appreciate that as well because now they don't have to do all of this risk risky kind of proposals that they have to mark up uh, a little bit of a not a little in some cases a lot of cushions for themselves to be profitable still if things change so you define your scope based on your requirements and then get the vendors involved in the process and that makes things go much smoother going forward for for your uh, you know selection process and as well you're getting the the business people involved in your decision process early on and the it is going to be supporting this initiative throughout the process right yeah great points well how about you megan is i know uh both the Vero and TC and third stage, you know, we all do a lot of software selection type work. Marcus does a lot of uh, contract negotiations for companies going through selections. We're going to ask him a question about that in just a moment. But from your perspective at Avero, anything you would add to that list as far as things to consider or criteria that are most important when selecting the right technology for your organization? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that my boss says all the time is that when you're looking to build a house, you don't just go to the architect and say, I want to build a house, right? You go and you uh, determine what type of land you want the house to be on. You define the blueprint, what's going to go in this house. Uh, and so uh, to Medi's point, defining those requirements up front is key uh, because those requirements then become the RFP. And that's how you market to your vendors. And that's how you're going to get what works for you. Because if you select your vendor on the front end, they're going to give you a lot of broken promises. And they're going to say, yes, we can do X. Yes, we can do Y. Yes, we can do Z. And then when you get into it, uh, that's not the case at all. So back to the requirements that become the RFP. Um, once those vendors can check off on those requirements definitions that their software can, in fact, perform that function, that then becomes your contract. So why is that contract uh, important with those requirements in it? It, it um, holds the vendor accountable, right? So if you do get into implementation and the software does not work for you, you can go back to the contract and say, hey, you checked off on this one specific requirement that I needed um, and you can't do it. And so then that's when you you know, maybe can break the contract, maybe not. But I think, you know, definitely performing a needs assessment and knowing what you need up front before you go to market is key. Right. Great, great point. And, and you sort of alluded to, you know, the RFP, the, con the contractual process um, mm -hmm. as it relates to procuring software. We're here with the Digital Transformation Mastermind Group talking about some best practices in digital transformation. These are all speakers that are going to be at the Digital Stratosphere Conference in Denver, Colorado. On October 4th through the 6th, you can learn more about that conference by going to stratosphere2023.com. Kyler and I will be there as well as all the speakers we're talking to here now, here today. But we've got a lot more to cover with these speakers and keynote uh, discussion thought leaders. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Transformation Ground Control. If you are involved in any sort of digital transformation or business change initiative, you will want to download the 2021 Digital Transformation Report. With its comprehensive overview of business and technology trends and best practices, this report is a must-have guide for any transformation project or executive team. Download this free report by visiting Third Stage Consulting at thirdstage-consulting.com. You can also visit our website to learn more about us or download independent reports, videos, and other best practices. Again, visit thirdstage-consulting.com today to learn how to take your transformation to the third stage of success. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. And we are here having a panel discussion with several of the speakers that are going to be presenting at the Digital Stratosphere Conference in Denver, October 4th through the 6th, sponsored by Third Stage Consulting, along with Avero Advisors, Technology Evaluation Centers, and Taft Law. So uh, you can learn more about that conference at stratosphere2023.com. You can see the agenda, uh, learn more about what to expect there, and hope you can join us. So again, stratosphere2023.com. But in the meantime, let's jump back into the conversation with several of the speakers as part of our digital transformation mastermind group. What are some of the biggest software contract gotchas, you know, in terms of if I'm out procuring software and related services, like Megan just described, 
what are some of those things to be most aware of or those top issues that I should be aware of as I'm negotiating a contract? Yeah, I, 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 let me let me go through those. But I want to talk about something just very briefly about what Megan just raised. And I think it's important from a contractual standpoint, and she referenced RFP and the contract. But I think not including what your business requirements are in the contract is is a huge gotcha in, in just kind of a, a, a larger sense, okay? Um, because I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with clients in litigation where there's an issue where the software doesn't do something that was deemed to be critical. And the basic question, which Megan just brought up is, okay, well, was that a key business requirement? Yeah, it was our most important one. Okay, well, is it in the contract? Well, no, why? And you know, if you're, if you're not defining your business requirements and if you're not putting them in the contract, you really do increase the likelihood that you're going to have um, substantive issues down the road because you know that that road is going to be filled with broken promises just like Megan said and it's it's uh, you know the, the severity of those processes or, or promises um, you know is going to that will dictate whether you're going to call me or not um, as far as kind of just general gotchas I think you know from the perspective of the cloud there's really this mentality pushed by vendors that the cloud is some, somehow this easy one-size-fits-all solution. And that translates to the contracts where they say, well, look, this is a non-negotiable contract. Everybody signs it. We have to have a consistent service offering across our customer base. And so we can't make any specific changes to our, our offering for you, it, it, which translates into you know, this position that, hey, we don't make any changes to the contract. And I will tell you this, that is not true. Everything is negotiable. And it just depends on how much leverage you have and how much money you are spending. There's a substantive difference between an $18 million software deal and a $50,000 software deal. Um, and you're going to have different positions of it with respect to leverage for those deals. And you know, one of those contracts is much more negotiable than the other. Um, but you've got you've, you've to push back on onerous and unreasonable terms. And again, to, to Megan's point, is that you know, that contract really should serve as uh, a management tool to dictate you know, what that vendor is going to do during that that implementation or integration um, and really beyond for you know the life cycle of your relationship with that vendor um, you know some of some of the other things that we see that i would define as gotchas and these are kind of more from a mentality standpoint again you know in this whole cloud push is you know vendor pressure to sign these contracts hey here's a non-negotiable contract You've got one month to sign it, and you're getting a 30% discount off list. And if you don't sign it by the end of the month, the end of the quarter, the end of the year, that discount is going to evaporate, and you're not going to get anything. Um, you know, what I will tell you is that's probably there, there's some level of truth to that, but you're still going to get some kind of a discount. These people still need to make their numbers. They're still going to push you. They're still going to want you to sign. Um, and you know, you, you've got to think kind of with a bigger a bigger picture here. You know, is it important enough for you to have this contract reviewed to mitigate risk, um, or is it important enough, or is it more important to get a thirty percent discount off of list, which is an illusory discount because list doesn't mean anything anyway. In my in my experience, right, you're not really getting much of a discount at all because they give everybody a huge discount off of list price. Um, you know, I'd rather, you know, save money where it counts, limit limit my liability, make sure I've got strong indemnity provisions. So if if this thing really goes sideways, you know, I, I'm saving myself a ton of money uh, 
versus you know, money on the front end where it doesn't really matter, but it, it's going to matter on the back end. There's a, a saying in my business, early legal advice is not expensive. And that's true. I mean, if you do your contract right in the beginning, you're going to save yourself a whole bunch of money on the back end because you're going to avoid having to go to litigation, spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on a lawsuit and time and effort when you you, know, you could have done it for you know, a third of the price on the, on the front end. So those are those are some of the bigger things that I see. Um, there, there's a lot there to unpack, though. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of internal general counsel um, team members will you know proclaim that they can handle this sort of negotiation, and they certainly probably can from a T's and C's perspective at a high level. But I think one of the things you bring to the table is not just the legal understanding, but also the you know, sort of the art of digital transformation, all the nuances that you mentioned as far as what to be looking for and what some of the um, the dangers are that aren't purely legal. They could end up being a legal issue later on, but a lot of times a pure attorney that doesn't have experience in this sort of thing isn't necessarily going to recognize um, some of the things that you're talking about there. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I mean, look, uh, you know, mo most attorneys that look at commercial contracts are going to be able to say, hey, well, this, you know, this language is unreasonable. Um, this, this, this is you know, one-sided, but, you know, the real art is, okay, well, what do you ask for in response to that? What's what's market? What's the the vendor going to accept? What can you push back on? And and just as importantly, what's not in that contract that, that typically is there, and what should, should you be asking for? You know, all with a view towards managing that pro that project, ensuring success, and and making sure that you don't end up in a you know a digital a digital transformation train wreck, uh, which we speak about on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. And it turns out RFP has a couple different meanings here. Uh, one is request for proposal. That was one of the the serious questions was what is RFP? But then AV, who again, now he switched platforms. If you've noticed, he went from LinkedIn. Now he's on YouTube, um, continuing to taunt us uh, in the background. Uh, but he says RFP stands for really fun project. So as he's bouncing around from platform to platform, basically being everywhere, but here up on the stage with us, um, we'll, we'll continue to monitor uh, AV's contributions to this, to the conversation here. Um, so speaking of AV and Avero, um, Megan, I have a question for you then. So we talked a bit about general tech trends and how to select software. Marcus just talked a little bit about how to procure the software from a contractual perspective and some things to think about at a high level. What about during implementation itself? What are some of the biggest keys to implementation success that you and your team have, have noticed? Yeah, I think um, to achieve a successful ERP implementation, um, one should start by defining clear goals and objectives uh, for what they want the outcomes to be. Um, I think your executive sponsorship needs to be on board. I think it starts from the top level down. Uh, when we're talking about change management, uh, those types of people need to be on board. Um, their commitment and involvement are crucial for overcoming any obstacles and, and ensuring the success of the project. Um, I think a cross-functional team um, that includes representatives from various departments is important. Um, this team should be responsible for any decision-making, planning, and execution. Um, we've talked about the thorough needs assessment. I think that is really key on the front end. Um, and then uh, vendor selection, we've talked a little bit about that. Um, carefully evaluating your RFP, making sure that those requirements definitions become your RFP, and uh, making sure that um, your, uh, your RFP aligns with your organization's needs, budget, and long-term goals. 
And then the biggest piece is, I think, is change management. Um, developing a change management strategy to help employees adapt to the new system, uh, training, communication, and involvement in the decision-making process and key components of successful change management. Great, great points and great segue to uh, my next question, which is for Kyler, um, which is why you mentioned change management, Megan, and, and you said you, you think it's uh, you know the most important thing to implementation. I would totally agree with that, by the way. Um, but Kyler, why is change management so important to digital transformation? Well, I think as, as we talked about in the beginning of this conversation, change management is a really holistic encompassing term and it's really unique to each organization. And that's the kind of the point of having this conversation is, is really what's best for you. Change management takes into consideration the people side that's um, paired with the people process and technology, um, which again, shameless plug, Eric talks about in his new book, The Final Countdown. Um, if you haven't read that, that's a great kind of overview of, of what that looks like. Um, as far as using those three components. But when we look at change, it's really understanding from a perspective of when you implement new technology, what is that going to look like within your organization and how are you gonna optimize that investment? We talked about a lot of really important points here. How do you select the right software? How do you ensure your contracting is um, is sophisticated? How do you ensure that you know, you're taking a good interoperability or composable approach? But you could do all of those things perfectly. And if you don't execute in understanding the DNA of your organization or how you actually optimize the return on that investment, it's going to become a technical debt and you know a system that kind of just sits on the shelves or is not optimized, or even worse, is perceived negatively as a threat to your organization, which can be incredibly dangerous. But I, I, I want to build on that too. I think it's important that you don't just say change management, you have to live it and breathe it. You know, we, <clears throat> we talk a lot about digital transformations becoming cultural shifts for organizations that don't have a competency in this level of change. And I've seen too many executives teams just say, we're gonna invest, we're gonna do change management. And we're gonna tell our managers to do change management. And they're gonna tell their managers to do change management. And everybody says it all out loud all at the same time, mm -hmm. lots and lots of times like just saying it makes it happen <clears throat> and that's that's really one of the biggest traps we see a lot of folks fall into they just they well, we did change management and it's still the work well you said that you were going to and then you did nothing did you have a communications plan what's that did you have any type of organizational readiness assessments on actually asking people how they wanted to be able to <clears throat> manage through this change well why would we do that well, this is exactly my point, right? So when we think about change management, you have to be able to not just invest in it by saying something about it and throwing money into it, but doing things with it. Executives at the ERP, from an ERP perspective, whether it's composable or not, executives need to be a part of the change management push. And it's not just delegating it away. Um, the very instant an executive delegates the the most important part of your implementation away they give license to the person that they delegated it to to delegate it away yeah. and because it's hard people tend to continue to delegate it away and it doesn't get done and all of a sudden ceo wants to know why our change management efforts are failing 
And it's because nobody's doing it. They're just talking about it. We're here with the Digital Transformation Mastermind Group talking about some best practices in digital transformation. These are all speakers that are going to be at the Digital Stratosphere Conference in Denver, Colorado on October 4th through the 6th. You can learn more about that conference by going to stratosphere2023.com. Kyler and I will be there as well as all the speakers we're talking to here now, here today. But we've got a lot more to cover with these speakers and keynote uh, discussion thought leaders. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Transformation Ground Control. When things are big, that should be small. Who can tell what magic spells we'll be doing? Are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the ever-changing landscape of digital transformation? Then you need our newly released 2023 Digital Transformation Report. This comprehensive report covers the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to ensure your digital transformation is optimized for success. The 2023 Digital Transformation Report is packed full of proven methodologies and insights from experts in the independent digital transformation field. You'll also receive practical insights on how to implement digital transformation strategies within your unique organization. This free report is available for download on our website at thirdstage-consulting.com under our thought leadership section. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. And we are here having a panel discussion with several of the speakers that are going to be presenting at the Digital Stratosphere Conference in Denver, October 4th through the 6th, sponsored by Third Stage Consulting, along with Avero Advisors, Technology Evaluation Centers, and Taft Law. So uh, you can learn more about that conference at stratosphere2023.com. You can see the agenda, uh, learn more about what to expect there, and hope you can join us. So again, stratosphere2023.com. But in the meantime, let's jump back into the conversation with several of the speakers as part of our digital transformation mastermind group. So, so Kyler, you had um, some uh, some quick hit uh, decision questions for us, right? I forgot how you how did you frame this? Uh, oh yeah, or? Um, some this or that, that, my favorite. Okay, putting everyone on the spot. So um, let's do it. So yeah, okay, great. Let's do this. Um, so adding a little you know energy to the conversation when we have a, a lot of of a lot of different thoughts, it's always fun. So this is an interactive game that we play with our audience too. So it's it's called this or that. So I'm gonna give you this or that, and then I'm gonna ask one of our stakeholders here on the screen, and I want you guys to answer in the comments so we can kind of get that. And um, we do have one that I always have to start with because it was an epic debate between Adam and Eric, but it is Elvis or the Beatles. So this or that. So either put Elvis, if you're an Elvis fan, or the Beatles. This or that. So um, Eric, Elvis or the Beatles? Uh, Beatles, of course. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how. To, I don't so, even know how to compare the two. I, mean, I, I don't feel even like it's... know how that that got started. So <laughs> let's go. Um, let's go. I've been dying to ask Marcus this one. So you, I will let you explain too. So you can you can pick your this or that. But this or that, agile or waterfall. I am going to go with waterfall, and that's a no-brainer for me. And from a contractual standpoint and a software attorney standpoint, Agile is just a nightmare. And it is, to me, an excuse to avoid contractual responsibility, to to avoid detailing milestones and deliverables. It's just, it's it's it's. I think it's just a recipe for disaster. And, and I'd rather 
you know, have everything detailed on the front end rather than saying, hey, we're going to just iterate and you're going to get what we get. You're going to get what you get and you're not going to get upset, which is what I tell my five-year-old. Um, <laughs> I still. Yeah. It doesn't work in the digital transformation space, though. So, um, yeah, that's that's an easy one for me. Yeah. It often doesn't work with the five-year-old either. So we really got to crack the code on that one. It, it doesn't. I've tried to develop a contractual framework for mine, and she doesn't like that either. So. <laughs> that sounds like a blog. That sounds like a video. we got to hear some future things. So let's go to I'm, you, I'm actually, you know what, though? I have to, sorry to interrupt, though. I just had this visual I have to share with the group here. I, I had this visual of every time a software vendor now is giving a presentation and talking about how, how they're taking an agile approach and how great it is. I imagine Mark is just sort of popping out from behind the screen. I think actually Agile is just an excuse to not, have, not fulfill your congressional yeah. obligations. That's the real reason why they're pitching you Agile right now. Yeah, yeah, you pop out need... from the other side of the screen and just go thumbs up. Right. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> needs to create a meme of that. Right. That would be great yeah, for our AV's meme game is strong. It is. Eric, I'm going to say, it is. you got to like really pull that up. He's, he's got a, a good meme game, but but pulling us back, let's go to Medi on this one because um, I'm I'm interested. I know it's hard. Sometimes we say it depends, and that's okay. And you're new to this game, Medi, so I won't you know yeah. throw you into the the cold water. So, on premise or cloud solution? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, nowadays, I would say cloud. Uh, the reason being is uh, the cost of uh, operating your you know, data rooms and um, security upgrades and all of those things, and uh, keeping up with the all the uh, the software patches and everything else that goes around maintaining those servers. Uh, I would say from that end, uh, of course, cloud. But at the other end, when you're looking at how the vendors are uh, cashing in and uh, they try to hook you up uh, with the cloud subscription. Uh, in the long term, cost-wise, probably cloud is going to cost you more. But uh, if I have to make a choice, I would say cloud. Very good. Good job, Matty. You answered better than anyone on this screen. So congratulations. Right. You are the, the number one top this or that player. So let's go to Adam. And I'll, I'll let Greg chime in, but I just know that this is going to trigger. So so off-the-shelf proprietary software, a core ERP suite, or open source? Oh, wow. Off-the-shelf, 10 times out of 10. Open source puts so much. It just recreates the old i-series, green screen, in a modern environment, in my opinion, you have to maintain it all yourself. You have to create it all yourself and you expose yourself to all of the bad habits that got you into the place that you are trying to move on from um, your over customized green screen software. Um, I think it's a limiting factor. It sounds really good um, and can be really good. I want to say that open source has its place for the right clients and I've recommended it a number of times for folks that can handle it. But I think that if we're going just breadth of the market, what should people be focused on? It should not be open source because it just requires too much work on the client. And they find, they're going to find themselves overwhelmed by it and not launching it. Uh, far more likely that that happens than with uh, an office. That's a personal opinion. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't recommend open source. I certainly have. But I found that it's kind of like it's one of those things that 
uh, is a responsibility that clients need to have to themselves if they're going to go open source. And if you can't do that, then you need to, to know and accept it. It does trigger me a little bit, but uh, uh, Adam, I completely agree with you. Um, when we talk to our, our clients, especially about program management, where we're managing the implementation process, right? Um, the adhering to the out of the box as much as possible is a common theme. I mean, everyone uh, organization wide is trying to reduce risk, reduce cost, everything everybody has been talking about on the panel here. And the only way to really do that, especially with software vendors that are now moving to multi-tenant cloud and continual improvements being rolled out periodically, um, for the next 20 years, if you're going to select a partner in an ERP system, you really have to adhere to that, uh, that out-of-the-box approach. So. Absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. And then when it comes to Megan, um, I have one for you What versus public versus private. So let's see if we could do that. This is a hard one. So let me just tell you. Yeah. If you could pick this or that. Um, to have on your project strong PMO project governance or strong cultural organizational change initiatives? Strong organizational change initiatives, because I think that's where it starts. Um, I, I think you have to have goals and a vision, uh, and it starts with the change from the top down. Uh, hands down before you start anything, whether it's a digital transformation project or implementing, you know, a, a new idea from an employee. I think it all starts with uh, being open at the top at your executive level. Excellent answer. And then to you, Eric, to round us out of our lightning round, Stratosphere 2023 conference versus any other event in the entire universe and planet. Ooh, that's uh, that's not that's about as that's difficult not. as the Beatles versus Elvis uh, conversation. <laughs> and uh, this should give you a preview of what my answer would be. It'd be Stratosphere. Here's the QR code. Um, but I, I think Stratosphere, because um, all kidding aside, you know, this is the only conference I know of in the industry that's tech agnostic. It's meant to uh, bring together you know, some of the greatest minds in the industry. It's not here. We're not here to plug any technology or plug any certain type of trend which is what a lot of conferences are intended to do, which is really push certain products and certain types of technologies. We're here to help clients figure out what the best path forward is for their transformations and to give them uh, some of the insights and the, the diversity of thinking to help them think outside the box of drinking vendor Kool-Aid and sort of the usual marketing spin that you get that you get from the industry. So that tech agnostic approach, the broad uh, approach is, is really important. I'd love to hear the audience's uh, feedback on the agenda as far as if there's certain topics that are of particular interest to you um, that you see on the agenda. You can see the agenda by scanning the QR code. You can also register uh, with that QR code. But I'd love to hear the, the audience's feedback on what topics they see on the agenda that they're most excited about. Um, but to, this is a long-winded way of saying I'll take Stratosphere any day, which is why we created the event, uh, because it didn't exist in the market until we created it. So. Well good. Well, well, good. Well, thanks for that. That lightning round. That was a good, uh, a good, that's always fun to f put us on the spot and make us think outside our comfort zone of it depends as consultants, which I know I, I always struggle with having to pick one side or the other. So uh, thank you for guiding us through that. A um, couple other uh, comments here. Uh, there's a lot of really good questions coming in through the chat. Mm -hmm. A lot of diverse comments on a lot of different uh, topics. First of all, um, I have to bring in a counterpoint here from Sam Graham. He says Elvis uh, was his choice. One of the best country music artists ever. 
So Adam, you are not alone. You're not the only one that thinks, and I'm sure there's others listening that disagree with the, the Beatles, my, my Beatles uh, bias there. Um, so a lot of uh, other good questions here, but I guess, you know, maybe to summarize what I'm seeing in the, in the thread here, and maybe to summarize our conversation here today, um, what are, you know, what, what are some of the biggest takeaways or, or sort of lessons you guys have learned in your experience? If there's one thing, if there's just one thing you could leave a project team with or someone who's about to start on a transformation or perhaps is struggling with their digital transformation, what's that one nugget, that one piece of advice that you would, you would give to them? Let's start with you, Greg. What, what would you, what's that one thing you would narrow it down to? Yeah, I would say executive alignment upfront. And this is a question that's taking the air out of the sails of a lot of the other people on the panel, right? But uh, really just getting the organization ready to go forward in a single direction from the very beginning, understanding your objectives as an organization, and then choosing your partners wisely on the journey is, is really the way that uh, everything comes together in the right way for organizations. Yeah, yeah. How about the rest of you guys, Mehdi, what would you add to that? I would say everything Greg said, but also don't rush through the decision. You have to take your time, understand, um, you know, the, the problem areas that you have and negotiate properly as uh, also um, Marcus said, the deal is going to be there no matter what. So don't rush, don't put, don't give in to the pressure from the vendors to sign a not so good deal for yourself because you're trying to save a little bit of money because that will come back and haunt you later on. Uh, select the partners, as uh, Greg said, is good. Uh, and that those partners are not only the software vendors, but also the system implementers and the system integrators that you're going to be basically giving the key to your system to. So they have to have the experience to implement the software for your industry with the best practices for your organization. So I would say, take your time, uh, evaluate every possible options that are out there and good deals are gonna come back if, if, if you are a serious buyer and they are really serious sellers. So uh, don't rush, I would say that's my thing. That's great, great advice. Eric, I think uh, remembering that these are not always technology projects, they're people projects. And your people have to have the buy-in. And where does that come from? It comes from setting those goals and expectations up front and visioning. Um, where do you want your organization to be in the next five years and aligning your people to that and getting the buy-in and not only the people um, that you know, their lives are good, their everyday day-to-day -day tasks are going to change, but also your outside vendors. How are they going to align with your goals and visions? So just remembering that these are people projects. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. How about you, Marcus? What would you add to that as far as the the big takeaways, the, the yeah. one nugget of advice you'd give? I, I think all that's beautifully said. And, and really, you know, from my perspective, there's no greater tool than the contract and the contract negotiation process to do that. <laughs> Because, you know, it's designed, you know, for you to have a back and forth mm -hmm. conversation about what your expectations are and what the vendor's expectations are with respect to that implementation or integration project. So, you know, I don't think you want to short shift, you know, that process. You need to, to let it play out and really, you know, spend the, the money on it that it, it is necessary and, and give the time to it that's necessary. 
because the ultimate goal is to have you know a clear and defined contract that's got your expectations in there it's got the vendor's expectations in there and so when there's something that does go sideways there's a defined process within that contract that tells everybody exactly what is supposed to happen so that you're you know avoiding unnecessary escalation um, and problems down the road so i think that's you know to me that's it's a huge takeaway yeah yeah adam how about you uh, a couple of things first of all <clears throat> selecting the the right system is important but it's more important to implement it well <clears throat> you know at the end of the day you can select a bad system and implement it well and that's a far better result than selecting the perfect system and implementing it poorly so remember that your implementation like selecting a system is is important but that's doing work to create a whole lot more really hard work and focusing on implementing well is well will pay dividends <clears throat> day in and day out and i'd also uh toss in at the end of the talking to sales folks we're trying to get you across that line remember that's their job and there's something in it for them right there's the sales folks that you're talking to their one job is to get you to sign something anything as long as it's in on their terms and it always helps me to think of it that way to remember that that's what they're supposed to be doing mm -hmm. and it's and on the list of things that they're supposed to be doing, what you need and what you want and what's best for you goes farther and farther down the list, the closer and closer you get to signing something. So yeah. think about it that way and just, again, slow down. I like that idea. Um, and, and just make sure that you're sales guy doesn't matter because yeah. as soon as you sign that contract, you're never going to talk to him. So yep. I'm Great point. They'll tell That's you it's not true, but it is. It's a hundred. Right. <laughs> all right. Great discussion. Great to have you all on the show today. Thank you for being here. And thank you to the audience for the great questions there. Um, again, these speakers that we just had on uh, Marcus, Adam, Greg, Mehdi, Megan, uh, Kyler, and myself, we are all among the speakers that are going to be at Digital Stratosphere on October 4th through the 6th in Denver, Colorado. You can learn more about the conference by going to stratosphere2023.com. It's a technology agnostic uh, conference focusing on everything related to digital transformation, including uh, change management, project management, software selection, tech trends, um, all sorts of stuff. A lot of stuff I didn't mention as well, but you can see the whole agenda by going to stratosphere2023.com. Really looking forward to it and hope to see you all there. Um, and we're gonna debrief on some of the threads we covered here uh, with the group here in just a moment. But first, we're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. Just tell me what If you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstageconsulting.com.
Welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham, and uh, you can find new episodes of the show every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms. You can also visit our website at transformationgroundcontrol.com. So be sure to check us out and check out past episodes as well if you've missed uh, any of them over the last two and a half years, which chances are fairly high you've probably missed at least one episode. So you can always go back and check out any of them that you'd like. So we just had this mastermind group, Kyler, several speakers from our Digital Stratosphere Conference. What were some of your thoughts and takeaways from that fun and enlightening discussion? Oh, yeah. Well, what a great time. So thank you for hosting that. Um, and all of those speakers do have um, more focused content on our channel. So I know for me, whenever I watch those things, I always kind of find myself wanting more. So if you do want more, um, you can head over to our YouTube channel and they actually each go into their own um, focus in each area because I know it was a really high level conversation. Um, but it was almost like a, a, a beautiful roadmap of how to have a successful digital transformation. Everything from talking about composable ERP interoperability to the importance of software selection to contract and asset negotiation to organizational change. Uh, so definitely a, a huge sampling of what the Stratosphere event is supposed to be, uh, you know, an unbiased technology agnostic opportunity for you to really sit in a room and say, what's best for my organization? And I think that's the cool thing about watching those thought leaders, at least in my opinion, Eric, is, is there is this shift in mindset of, what's best for the business as opposed to what's best for the industry. And I just think that that's so healthy to hear those voices. And I know in your orbit, they're a little bit louder, but do you think that really is kind of a cosmic movement in the industry right now is a shift to project ownership and prioritization of businesses? I do. Um, I think a, a lot of organizations are starting to recognize the need to to own these projects, and they're starting to understand the consequences of what happens when they don't own the projects and and have uh, engaged leadership and build the internal competencies, not to necessarily become the experts at digital transformation, but at least to be experts in how a digital transformation gets managed for your organization. So it's not going to happen overnight. It can be daunting to think about, but most organizations need to be thinking about how to build that internal competency. Otherwise, they end up with these, this learned helplessness of, well, we're not experts, so we need these outside third parties, these software vendors, the technical implementers or whatever. That creates this learned helplessness where, you know, I'm just going to defer to them because they know how to do this. They do this every day for a living. I don't know what I'm doing from a digital transformation perspective. And what that what ends up happening is you end up entrusting um, ownership of the project with a outside party that has conflicting self-interest. So um, that's what oftentimes gets organizations into trouble. Now, having said that, I think, you know, you don't want to go too far. You don't want to let the pendulum swing too far the other way where you you think you can do it all yourself without outside help. Um, we've, we have, we've had some clients that have done that, that have hired us to say, okay, you know, we're not going to use this system integrator. We're not going to use the software vendor. We acquired the software from the vendor. Now we're just going to do this ourselves and we want you third stage to help us do it. Yes, we can help, but you you do need that technical expertise that focuses on one software. Um, you know, because we're technology agnostic and independent, we're not um, specialized in any one system. And so, you know, generally you're you're still going to need technical resources that know the 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 technology that you're deploying really well. Um, so you have to find that middle ground and find you know kind of where that pendulum can settle somewhere in the middle. But it it is a risk, but it's also a risk that you overcorrect too. So you have to find that middle ground for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Understanding that that identity of your organization. And when you were kind of asking the holistic question of of what kind of is the number one thing that uh, you learned throughout your experience. I mean, I'm not mad at you that you didn't ask me, but I, I'm going to tell you right <laughs> now um, just to to share with group. No, I'm just kidding. We had time constraints. You, It's hard to get all of these people on uh, a schedule on the phone. So that's such an amazing gift just in general. But I think the biggest thing I wanted to say for them was the ability to learn from experts um, in that area. And so these are the people that you come to when your project is in trouble whether it's you come to to look at project management that you need, that you selected the wrong software, that you have a litigation issue, you yourself are an expert witness um, that's really highly sought after in those types of things. So if we look at an audience question that was a really great question of why do those 70 to 80 percent of digital transformations fail? And we see that failure rate ticking up, right? These are the people that have no ties to any financial gain from a vendor, from an industry bias, these are the people that fix those projects. So to be able to listen to them and understand how you arm your strategy up front, how you you know forward face in that way to set yourself up for success is truly invaluable. So if, if you are going or considering going through a digital transformation, technology implementation, any change, Look for the experts in that field that have proven that they have kind of project resurrection experience. And all of these on this panel absolutely do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and partially because you want to know that, that uh, whoever you're working with in the outside help you're bringing in has been through trouble. They've been through trouble. They've seen difficult situations and adverse problems during these projects, which inevitably you're going to have. So you want to know that you've got a battle tested um, people with, with battle scars to show for it. Absolutely. Well, definitely such an amazing conversation. Thank you for having all of these people and thank you for, you know, to our guests for, for joining us, but highly recommend going to check out um, Medi with TEC. He did a uh, he was on a few episodes back. Marcus has been on a variety of episodes, as has Greg and Adam. Um, Megan is kind of newer to the conversation, but always a, a great fresh face. And of course, AV um, from Avero, who was there, you know, sliding into our DMs there um, the whole time. Yes. So um, excited for kind of to, to grow that overall network and that conversation because it is so important. Absolutely. It should be a fun time and uh, hope hope you all can join us. Everyone listening here, I hope you're able to join us at Digital Stratosphere. Uh, you can go to stratosphere2023.com to see the agenda, learn more about the event. Um, you can see what the speaker lineup is, what the workshops are going to be. Um, you can also see what the pricing is. We have actually three different types of packages you can buy. There's sort of the base package that's in person. There's a VIP package that's in person where you get more access to me and other other speakers at the event. And then there's a third option that's the, that we just announced, which is the online uh, digital uh, hybrid version. So you can join remotely, if you're, especially if you're international and it's not realistic for you to get to the United States for the conference. Um, you can also join us remotely. We, we're selling digital passes, too, for people that want to join uh, the stream uh, live. So you'll get to get to join us live, but you'll just be joining us remotely. Um, so you can learn about all three packages there at stratosphere2023.com. And I uh, hope to see you all there. It should be really fun. And, and uh, well, I always learn a lot every time I do these. That's that's actually the biggest reason why I like it. It's not so much me speaking at them that I enjoy. I enjoy learning from all the other speakers there. It's super fun. Um, so good time. So, all right, we've got one more segment left for you. 
really important one. Um, Adam, because we haven't heard enough from him uh, or you in this episode, we're going to have you two talk about uh, sort of a software selection uh, mock situation or a series of mock situations or case studies where you're going to pose some situational um, situations with Adam and ask him to give recommendations on what kind of technology he would recommend in those situations, you know, given different types of industries or types of companies and things like that. So it should be a really interesting conversation to sort of uh, on the fly see what uh, what one of our senior consultants and executives at the company would recommend to co- clients or organizations in different situations. So stick around for that. So we're going to have uh, Adam Cheatham back on the show here in just a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. Interested in working for a company that truly values your unique skills and experience? Here at Third Stage, we don't hire based on resumes alone. We look at the full candidate, experience, and willingness to provide excellent service for our clients. Within a technology independent and agnostic consulting firm, you have the opportunity to learn across industries with a diverse group of clients. Our consultants also have the opportunity to diversify their portfolio and learn across technology systems. If you're interested in joining a high-growth entrepreneurial organization, please reach out to us at work at thirdstage-consulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms. You can also go to transformationgroundcontrol.com to see all the past episodes and see where and how you can watch uh, the podcast if you're not sure. Just go to transformationgroundcontrol.com. So uh, we're going to have Adam Cheatham here on the show with you here in just a moment, Kyler. We're going to bring him back from the the panel discussion we just had a moment ago. But you're going to hone in and talk to him about uh, software selection, uh, some software selection case studies or mock situations. And you're going to ask him to sort of give his advice or recommendations based on, you know, a variety of different, different situations. So really, I like this idea a lot. So I'm curious to see where, where you, where you go with the conversation. Okay. Thanks, Eric. Um, I'm excited for this conversation with Adam. So Adam, welcome back um, from our mastermind earlier in the episode. Uh, I want to kind of dig into the software selection side and have some profiles set up around specific areas or businesses, industries, and talk about kind of the usual suspects when it comes to vendor shortlists or anything like that, knowing very well that it depends, right, as our favorite phrase here at Third Stage, on what your requirements are, and that is incredibly important and cannot be overlooked. So kind of breaking out this conversation, What are the nuances that are so important to consider in software selection before we kind of get into the high level of what vendors might match a specific industry or something to consider? Yeah, so when when we start thinking about real first break into the idea of what software package is going to fit, the things that make the biggest difference are, first of all, the complexity of your business and and the industry that you're in. Um, as well as just the general sets of functions that you're going to use, right? So we don't necessarily need to always jump to ERP, for example, if your biggest pain points are in your uh, sales department and only there, or something more specific to, we just have a bunch of supply chain challenges. You can start narrowing a list if uh, from an enterprise software perspective based on scope 
as well as uh, complexity being a key component of it, right? So if, if you're a pretty small business that uh, focuses on concentrated number of things, that's going to put you in, in a lower tier of package, which isn't a bad thing. It's just is what it is, right? But if you're a $500 million plus massive organization that has a dozen offices worldwide and you need a, a series of different types of complex global currency and, and language support requirements, then you're going to end up looking at a different set of packages than somebody who has one location, 50 million, um, and, and just focus on distribution. So complexity is a big deal. There are also some areas that are uh, core to how it is you function as a business and what are what become your differentiating requirements. It's not common that one requirement is what drives everything. It's usually a, a handful of them, uh, a couple dozen, if you will, um, that are going to differentiate one software package for, from another. Um, but at the end of the day, those are the types of things that you want to start to think about. Who are you? What do you do? And what are your most critical needs? Absolutely. And definitely something that I know you talked about with Mehdi and Greg and Eric and team um, about the importance of requirements. It's something that really needs to be baked into the overall enterprise strategy in order to effectively um, choose the right software for your overall organization or even the right systems in the right new technology. So um, that said, we kind of gave our PSA, right? So now let's jump into some specific profiles that you might look at if you are an organization. So say you are uh, a small to mid-sized organization that is very heavy in manufacturing and distribution. What are some um, bigger software systems or some you know software vendors that you might consider having a conversation with? Yeah, so when I think small to medium size business, complex manufacturing and distribution, I think somewhere in the ballpark of one to three hundred million dollars in revenue, big enough to need a tier two package. Um, and so some of our usual suspects are going to be the the net suites, the Epicores, Infors, and IFS. Those are usually the the ones that come up first. Um, there's a there's a little bit of uh, challenge in this in understanding what kind of manufacturing you are. If you are just a discrete manufacturer, um, th that list will be fine. If you are more of process manufacturing, you need to start considering DCOM as well. Acumatica also fits into this mix from a perspective of manufacturing also. Um, their model is a little bit different, so it depends on what size of um, product offering, really. Uh, when we think Acumatica, we think along the lines of how many transactions are you looking at? If you're small number of transactions, low volume, but high margin products or high cost products, then Acumatica tends to do quite well in that space. Mm -hmm. But if you're thinking more along the lines of um, high volume, low margin, um, Acumatica starts to become pretty expensive pretty fast for companies like that. So there are a number of different types of variables that are that are important to determine which one of those packages you end up in. But um, and each of those vendors has a multitude of packages that might fit as well. So there's um, M4 has a, um, a, a half a dozen different types of software products that depending on your software industry um, might be a fit. So. Absolutely. And and when you look at each one of those, obviously, 
you want to look at it with uh, a bout of professional skepticism to mm -hmm. ensure that you are clear on your business objectives, as you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation. So let's go to kind of the polar opposite side. Say you are a very um, established, global, um, complex organization um, in a specific industry. Let's go say food and beverage, since we do mm -hmm. a lot in that space. What are some um, systems you could consider that will really support a full change for a, a global, very sophisticated organization? Yeah, if you're talking in the ballpark 500 million plus um, global food and beverage manufacturer, um, you're starting to think about um, the, the Microsoft Dynamics has a number of different products that are oriented towards system integrators with IP that handle the food and beverage space quite well. Infor's M3 program has uh, has a food and beverage uh, vertical that is is very very good, uh, but you also have to start thinking about things like SAP at this point. You got to also think about um, Oracle Fusion because um, you, you need to start thinking about the size of organization that you are. At the end of the day, traceability in food and beverage becomes king at some point, um, and being able to look at it from end to end from a, a source of of ingredients, if you will. So, uh, really important. Depending on your complexity, uh, DECOM might factor into that as well. They might feel a little bit underweight for, for that class of, of organization, but it's worth thinking about, you know, just to, to understand what it is we might be uh, headed. And when you are that size of an organization, how important is your legacy system to consider when looking at moving into a new, maybe cloud-based opportunity? Um, it depends on what your legacy system is, right? So if your legacy system is QuickBooks, um, the only thing important about that is that you're getting off of it. <laughs> um, and that doesn't really factor into it as much as, as anything else because QuickBooks doesn't have any type of a vertical that will allow you to grow. Um, there are differences in programs like SAP, Epicor, for example, that um, allow you to grow from one product to the other that's very, uh, that are very well done. So in those cases, you want to be able to talk to your incumbent vendor about what it is your needs are um, and how it is you might scale because a lot of those uh, legacy programs are, have been um, upgraded and moved to the cloud, but that, that move has can consolidated a lot of the legacy uh, code and software that you're pro you might be using. Other times there are uh, programs that have been acquired along the way by a vendor. And when that happens, the, the, the consideration of the vendor that you're using today is less important, largely because the data set is, is different no matter what you do. Um, it's always important to consider your current vendor largely because they will have something to say about who you are. They know you better than any other vendor right. does at this point. Um, so that's an, a key inclusion. But at the end of the day, you want to always keep an eye on the vendor that you have um, and include them in your evaluation. But at the same time, it shouldn't be an automatic because I use these people today. I will use them tomorrow. Yeah, kind of a, a new strategic direction that might include your legacy vendor, but yeah. it, it might also move into a, a different vendor that can better meet your evolving needs as a business. So let's flip it a little bit. So say you are, um, we have a lot of these right now, a, an entrepreneurial based um, organization that is on the smaller side, but is in a very high growth 
mode and industry. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have a ton of standardization in processes yet, but is looking to be able to scale into growth. I'm envisioning this being a client that is has traditionally been smaller and is breaking into a new tier uh, that they've never been into before. They're not as well established. I really like uh, programs like NetSuite for this um, because they're easy to implement. They implement quickly and they add a lot of really good value from a perspective of what it looks like to get into your first your first real ERP. Infor and Epicor both have good products in this space as well, uh, depending on the product lines that you that you have as a business. Um, some of our smaller aerospace and defense companies have landed in an Infor. Uh, program because it is it's able to handle their complexity from a manufacturing perspective, but it's not so large and expensive that it becomes cumbersome. Um, Epicor ends up in a lot of the the core manufacturing spaces for the smaller businesses as well that are getting into their first real ERP, and they, they they're very good product also. So absolutely, um, those are all all and what a fun place to be as a business sometimes. You know when you when you right? are looking at. Um, <laughs> Um, new opportunities. All right, we're here with Kyler and Adam talking about some mock situations as it relates to software selection. We're going to get into more uh, case studies and examples like this. We're going to continue the conversation in just a moment, but first we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. I'm Kyler Cheatham from Third Stage Consulting Group, and I wanted to take a minute to personally invite you to our Stratosphere 2023 in-person event on October 4th through 6th in Denver, Colorado. We are super pumped to bring this event back in person after COVID. It will actually be the first time in three years that we've done an in-person Stratosphere, and we're so excited to bring you top thought leadership and tactical project strategies throughout this important event. We'll not only feature keynotes from top speakers in the industry, but also interactive workshops where you can pick your area of expertise that you want to get information on regarding your digital transformation project. You can head to stratosphere2023.com to see our full agenda and our jam-packed excitement for the event. We also are offering a VIP ticket this year, which gives you full access to Eric as well as a signed copy of his new book. So I hope to see you there and meet you in person in Denver. If you have any questions, Again, you can reach out to me directly at kyler.cheatham at thirdstage-consulting.com and I'll see you in Denver. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 138. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyler Cheatham. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday by going to transformationgroundcontrol.com or wherever you listen or watch the podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out there too. Every new episodes every Wednesday. So we're here with Kyler uh, talking with Adam Cheatham about some different software selection mock scenarios and case studies. Let's jump back into the conversation. So let's move into the public sector. You know, an area in which we've we've seen a ton of transformations here at Third Stage. We work with um, a lot of municipalities in in that area, but there can be obviously some key needs and nuances. So, say you are um, a public sector entity that needs to go through some sort of digital transformation. You have constituents, you have um, students, you have all kinds of different um, users that you need to look at. What are some systems that you should look at? Focus 
working on or considering? If you're more like a municipality, you can't ignore Tyler Munis uh, by any means. They ha uh, they have that market fairly well. They're fairly well integrated into that market. Um, that doesn't mean that you know um, you know Oracle doesn't doesn't have good public sector programs. They they very much do. And depending on the the needs of it, right? We had a public sector client that was um, uh, a utilities client that ended up on Oracle, um, and that was a very good fit for them. Uh, but they are entirely publicly owned um, utilities business. There are also things that are more education institutions that change the way that we look at that question. Uh, we had a client, for example, that was an aerospace and defense department of a local university, um, and they chose IFS because of the complexity that they needed to be able to track in the concept of building every single aerospace and defense project from scratch. So. I mean, you have to consider uh, core components of what you do um, and, and what it means when you say I'm public sector, because public sector can be a lot of things. In the in the public sector space, it's worth mentioning that one of our largest clients um, is a local school district in Florida that's on an M4 platform. So at, at the end of the day, you have to think about what fits your functions and how it is you guys are, are going to be successful in a, in a package on that. So. so when we're looking at kind of core competencies and those nuanced needs, um, I want to give you an opportunity to maybe name some industry specific or best of breed applications or solutions that if you are in a specific industry that you should be looking at. Oh, gosh. Um, so if I'm in a specific industry, so if I'm thinking if I'm thinking, say, for example, medical device and manufacturing, you can't not look at SAP. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, yeah, you can't not look at it. They have a significant footprint in the medical device space. If you're thinking more of a healthcare perspective, you can't not think about Workday and Infor. You have to consider those two. That doesn't mean that you have to pick one of those two, but you can't not consider them. Um, from an aerospace and defense perspective, you had to be able to handle a lot of different types of government requirements. Um, you can't not consider Infor, Microsoft, and um, and Epicor to a certain extent. They have a, a very good system integrator that that handles all of the aerospace and defense uh, clients. So those are a couple of good ones. If we're thinking highly complex manufacturing, I would never leave IFS off the table. If we're thinking extraordinarily complicated. I've seen IFS really do well against SAP, for example, um, and come in at less than half the price in, in highly complicated manufacturing uh, industries. Some other ones that are worth thinking about from an industry perspective, if you're a process manufacturing client, you can't ignore DCOM. Um, if you are thinking about, if you're a client that needs something that's more heavily configurable, you can't ignore Microsoft Dynamics Finance and Operations. Uh, if you're a client that has sophisticated technology and you are um, you're you're capable of handling it, you can't ignore uh, Odoo as an open source platform. But there there's a grain of salt that comes with that. So it's uh, there's such a wide breadth of mm -hmm. if I'm in this, what must I consider? Um, and if I'm in that, what must I consider? That at the end of the day. You know, all of these software systems have very, very good programs, and uh, you, the it comes down to the very first question that you ask: What's, what about 
your business is mm -hmm. complex enough and complicated enough to drive a selection of one package versus another. Yeah, and being able to have a partner that really understands those nuances that is dedicated to your objectives as a business, yeah. because it can be an industry all in itself to um, to kind of translate uh, software vendor jargon and be able to you know really understand what that means in an effective valuation. But um, this was all such great insight. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, as I mentioned kind of earlier in our episode, I have two resources for you here. So I have our software selection guidebook, which I will put up here. You can either scan our QR code or it is in the link within the description wherever you're getting our video or podcast today. Um, this gives you an opportunity to go through all of our top 10 lists when it comes to ERP, CRM, HCM, all different operational systems, and then also industry specific, business size specific. So you at least have a starting point. Again, none of this is funded through vendors in any way, shape, or form. They do not at all influence, quite the contrary. Um, they wish they did influence our um, top 10 lists here. So that's an option. And then also, if you are looking for software comparisons, head over to our YouTube channel. We have our software comparison modules that you can actually go through and look at one system versus another, as well as deep dives of the completely independent and technology agnostic software evaluations. So um, thank you again, Adam. If you don't follow Adam on, on LinkedIn or social media, I highly recommend that. He does put up a lot about different systems and our, our client work here. But if you do have any questions for him, you can reach out to him directly at adam.cheatham at thirdstage-consulting.com. Well, thank you for that conversation, Adam. That was such great insight and, and lots of fun just in general. I'm excited to be able to debrief with you, Eric, um, and kind of talk through some um, some different key nuances we found with software selection. And, and as you know, you know, Adam, well, he does not like to be put in these scenarios a lot of the time because he is a key, it depends Team, it depends. Um, so putting so him in these scenarios where he did have to kind of pick a top short list of systems um, really shows why I made him wildly uncomfortable in doing that is because there are so many nuances. Like there are so many considerations when looking at a software system. I know we heard earlier um, in the episode from our panel discussion, the importance of really defining requirements of putting them in your RFP, of understanding the selection process and really going into it with um, with fresh eyes, with unbiased opinions. Um, so, you know, hearing from kind of the case studies that we did in the panel earlier today, what's kind of the, the number one tip you would give for a business that's starting to consider their selection? How do they ensure that they're hitting all of these checkpoints in order to be successful? Well, I think first is make sure you have the right checkpoints identified. I mean, that's first and foremost is making sure you've got that right strategy and and plan to execute. And then, of course, you know, making sure you, you stay on track with project governance and making sure you have the, uh, you know, clear project statuses to track against the project um, plan and all that stuff. So I think those are that's probably the first way to make sure you're you're staying on track. Absolutely. Um, well, I think it's it's one of those things where I'll I'll point our audience to our different resources. So let's kind of recap what we have for software selection. We have our comparison videos on YouTube. So if you're looking at one system versus another, Eric does a lot of those. Our team does a lot of those. We have them by industry, which Eric does a lot of his top 10 lists. 
um, and goes into kind of deeper dives of bigger, more mainstream systems. So all of those are completely unbiased, though Eric has a, a lot of YouTube following, which is super cool. None of that is funded through vendors. So it really is truly unbiased, client filtered based on experience recommendations. So highly remember that. And then also linked below, I have two resources for you. I have the, the 2024 um, top systems report, which you can actually pre-register for our 2024 digital enterprise operations report, free download. And then also we have our software selection buyer's guide. And as Eric mentioned, that's really gonna give you those, those um, checkpoints that you really kind of wanna go through to make sure that you're set up for success in that area. So those are kind of the resources that we want to give you to ensure that you have all that. And of course, if you have questions or just want to have an informal conversation, you can always reach out to Eric or myself directly um, as well. But thank you for all the great insights. What an amazing, it's a rewatcher, Eric, it's a rewatcher, the episode. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That's one I need to go back and watch again too, because there's so much we covered there and uh, a lot of, a lot of fast moving conversation. So good stuff. And thank you for your help facilitating that discussion. It's always hard to wrangle in that many people and that many uh, personalities and brains, you know, it's, it's like, uh, what do they say? Like herding cats <laughs> in some ways. So, but it was a great conversation. I appreciate it. And be sure to join us at, at digital stratosphere too. Uh, go to stratosphere2023.com. We'd love to see you in person in Denver, Colorado, October 4th through the 6th. You can also join us remotely uh, going to stratosphere2023.com as well. So be sure to check it out. So uh, thanks everyone for joining uh, here today. Thank you to our panelists. Thank you, Kyler. And thank you to the audience for the great questions. Uh, be sure to check us out on transformationgroundcontrol.com. You can find new episodes every Wednesday, and we will look forward to seeing you next week on Transformation Ground Control. Have a great week in the meantime, and we'll see you all soon.